Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Mr. Apex Podcast, brought to you by Strawberry Cottage Landscapes, improving outdoor spaces around Carlisle and the North Lakes with fencing, decking, turf, paving, and marquee hire. Today, we do some previewing and some news. I'm your host, Chris Stevens, filling in for Spanners, who is taking a well-deserved break in the sunshine, and I'm joined today by Matt Trumpets. What's going on, Matt? Hey there, Chris. That was pretty excellent, my man. I'm very impressed. We oh, hardly well. need spanners at all around here. I know, I know. And isn't it? It just seems like a much better environment with him with him gone. Basically, I've, I could do this every week. It's like the gloom and the drama has lifted, and the bright sunshine of fact has shone through. <laughs> absolutely uh so yeah like i was saying this week we discuss a bit of f1 news uh some f1 tech analysis and preview the canadian grand prix for those of you just finding us we are an independent podcast hosted by mistapexpodcast.com we aim to bring you a race review before your monday morning commute we might be wrong but we're first this show is safe for work we're keeping it clean here so that you can play this with the kids in the background or at work. Uh, Matt, what do you say we bring on some guests? Uh, the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Uh, joining us on the line, we have from motorsport.com, our local technical analyst expert, Matthew Summerfield. What's going on, man? Evening, gentlemen. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, oh, very, very well and very, very good. I expect you had uh, quite the field day with some of the updates that the cars have seen lately. Yeah, especially at Spain. That was a, there's quite a lot going on in Spain. Oh, absolutely. Uh, also in the room on the call, we have Alex Goldschmidt, Downforce's own. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Good evening, everybody. Uh, nice to be on the show for two weeks on the trot. 
Yeah, yeah, it's not bad, is it? Um, we'll catch up a bit more with you guys uh, a little bit later. Not before we've said hello to the live stream. Hello, live stream. Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, if you want to join the live stream and the chat room, then find Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. So let's start things off with some news. Big Dirty News. Well, Matt, our big major talking point is the Canadian Grand Prix preview and uh, our top sort of point circuit characteristics. Are they going to favor Ferrari or are they going to favor Mercedes? Yeah, and that's going to be a very interesting one because we saw certainly that in Monaco, the circuit characteristics did, um, shall we say, not favor the Mercedes like at all, period. But Montreal is a slightly different mix and has uh, some some different features that may make it less bad for them. Uh, what do you think, Summers? Yeah, well, I think you've just kind of hit the nail on the head there, Trumpets. It's it's more of more of a sort of Mercedes circuit, um, it's something where we're going to have a, more of a power unit uh, situation again. It's a fuel limited circuit as well, so we may see some of that play out in in Mercedes' favour, um, but. As always, it, it, it has a lot to do with the tyres, uh, just like we saw in Monaco. Ooh, tyres. Let's talk about that a lot because a certain someone has absented himself. Goldie, who do you think is going to be better on the tyres? Interesting, because uh, if anyone remembers last year when a certain Nico Rosberg had a bit of a outbreaking uh, issue going into a little battle with Max Verstappen coming into the final chicane, uh, um it's going to be difficult to say. I mean, both Bottas and Hamilton um, throughout their careers I mean, have shown signs of peaks and troughs. So it's an unknown variable because they're both in the same machinery. I'm really looking forward to it. Indeed. Well, now, degradation-wise, Summers, is this a high, medium, or low-deg circuit? This is the other question that I had that I was just too lazy to actually go and answer. It's a, it's a fairly uh, low degradation circuit, so we shouldn't see too much deg. And especially this year, obviously, with the, the change in the tyres, the uh, we, we've got a situation where uh, degradation isn't so much of an issue as it used to be. Yeah, indeed. And so would I be wrong then in thinking that this might actually hand a bit of an advantage to Valtteri Botas, I'll say it the way the live stream likes, this week? Because he seems to have done better with the circuits that we think of as being low deg. Yeah, it does seem to have appeared to, to to take an advantage from Hamilton in that respect. And I think it's just how he treats the tyres throughout a lap uh, and throughout a stint. He, he just seems to manage them a little bit better than Lewis in that respect. It might be worth remembering as well that in sort of both the high-deg races we've seen, uh, Bahrain and Spain, Valtteri's had issues in, in that race. So maybe this isn't quite as clear-cut as we think? Yeah, I would suggest so. It, it's uh, it's very interesting to look at the differences between the, the two drivers um, in the way in which that they operate the tyres. Obviously, in, in Monaco, we saw a, a massive difference between the two Mercedes drivers. Um, and, and we alluded to the fact that they had very similar setups, but they managed to extract very different things from the tyres. So uh, as we go forward throughout the year, it will be interesting to see how they get on. So what about Ferrari then? They seem to have, you know, a real way with the tyres, as if they just unlock something that the other teams can't seem to do it. Is that going to be a, a big thing around Canada for them? It'll certainly play a part. Um, something perhaps that we may want to come back to later again, but obviously uh, Spanish doesn't like us talking about tyres, so we, may, we, we might have to keep it a, a bit brief. 
Yeah, well, I did have like m- my observation about the tires goes back several years through through Pirelli when when they were exceedingly high. They called them chocolate tires is it seems to me that Hamilton got very on top of being able to manage them for longer stints. And that what we're really seeing here is that at any given racetrack, Valtteri really just puts more energy through the tire in a shorter period of time than Lewis does. And I don't know if he's going to be able to unlearn that trick very rapidly. And what makes Montreal interesting is it's a track they both race well, but it does have some higher speed sections, which might make it not as bad for Lewis as something like, say, Monaco or one might guess uh, Singapore could be for them as well. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, putting energy in the tyres in a cycle is part of the problem of the Mercedes. And we've talked about the fact that they've got a much longer wheelbase car. Uh, They have a a very different setup in terms of the way that they rake their car and the philosophy that they follow. And also um, just the way in, in which that car is designed as an overall piece of engineering and we must remember again that the clarification that was issued at the start of the season for suspension has had a major impact on Mercedes. Right and as an addendum to that um, it was curious to me to see how much trouble they were both having with um, with the rear of the car in Monaco and if we look at the race it seems like Lewis actually had a much better race on his tires than Valtteri did, although you might just put that down to trundling around at a, at a reasonable pace until everyone got out of his way and then pushing. So they were properly up to temperature and it was fairly even. But the other question I had is, are we seeing the long wheelbase of the Mercedes make it difficult for them to properly seal the diffuser, especially in the slow speed corners? Yeah, well, we're talking about a transition between mechanical uh, grip and grip created through downforce. So obviously a circuit like Monaco, that transition is much lower. Um, You need to create the downforce at a much um, slower speed. And so obviously the Mercedes with their particular car, their wheelbase, their their aerodynamic setup, it would appear that they're slightly outside of that window and has caused them issues in putting temperature in the tyres. The biggest issue seemed to be able to get temp in the front tyres, um, which obviously then has a sort of seesaw effect with how you get temp- temperature into the rear tyres. Excellent. Now, we also heard, um, and this was the other thing, I don't know if anybody else caught this when they were watching the broadcast, but we also heard Rosberg saying um, before the race when he was on Sky that he knew the setup issue that Mercedes had and they weren't going to be able to sort it b- between quality and the race probably because they figured it would cost them more time to start from the pit lane than it would be to start where they were and make their way forward. But after the race, uh, Hamilton seemed to be just utterly still clueless as to why he had so much issues. And I'm under the impression that no one at Mercedes said, yeah, we've got this. We know what the problem is. So, so does anyone know the real story? Have we heard anything else? Um, the only thing that we can put it down to is an Italian mystery, according to Toto Wolff. Ah, is he throwing a bit of shade at Pirelli then? I think he's throwing a bit, throwing a bit of shade at Pirelli and Ferrari. And um, if anybody's playing Mr. Apex Bingo, they're going to get one here because Summers has got an article coming out on this. And it's all to do with the way in which that Ferrari uh, used the mule cars to their advantage. Um, if we look back at the laps that were done by Ferrari drivers in comparison to the drivers that were... Uh, racing for Mercedes and 
uh, Red Bull last season, they are dramatically different. Um, and that has a huge bearing on the direction that both Pirelli took and obviously the way in which that the, each of the cars were designed. So if you look at the figures, we're looking at sort of 3,000 kilometres plus that Vettel and Raikkonen covered. And Hamilton covered, believe it or not, 50 kilometres. That's all on development tyres last season. So it just goes to show the sort of differences we're looking at when it comes to the tyres. Well, hold your horses there, Summers, because you will get your chance to plug all your stuff a little bit later in the show. In the meantime, let's um, move on and talk about some of the, the midfields, uh, starting with Red Bull, which sounds really weird to call them a midfield team, but isn't that basically where they're at right now? Yeah, they've kind of got themselves caught behind uh, Mercedes and Ferrari quite quite a bit, and it's pegging them back towards the, the rest of the midfield. Um, but I, I kind of see them as in their own race as such, because the likes of Force India just can't keep up with with Red Bull. It makes it a bit of a um, strange grid order in, in reality. Um, and Matt, people were saying that Red Bull can't really stick around in the title fight. Canada, not really a track that suits them very well. So can we expect them to be that just that easy fifth and sixth place? I think that's what you'd have to look at. I, b- I believe Monaco favored them tremendously, and I believe tracks that share similar characteristics will make them look racier than they are. But I think fundamentally they are still searching for uh, that magic design that will let them be properly competitive with Ferrari and Mercedes. And just to tag onto that, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see which one of the Ferrari or Mercedes really can pull up with the fastest time in quality. But at this point I'm, almost tempted to give the nod to Ferrari is overall being ahead of Mercedes and Red Bull. Oddly enough, you might have to say force India is who they have to look out for. I was going to say force India is probably going to be my pick for the top uh, midfield team. And that's something I I want from each of you as well. So Matt, would you also agree with, uh, with, with, with that force India probably going to be seventh, eighth, yeah, well, if you assume they got their bad race out of the way at Monaco because it was bad, then Force India looked very strong. But I'll be honest, after watching the Haas progression through the field, I wouldn't count them out either. And it's not just because I'm American. It's actually because they have that Ferrari power unit. And as Haas himself said, the issues of us not finishing double points were more down to a lack of maturity within the team than anything to do with the design of the car themselves. And Monaco is a hard place to manage. They did a very good job of it. We could see them really turning a corner and putting some pressure on Williams, I think. Okay, well, Alex, who's your top pick for the midfielder? Are we, again, looking at uh, the houses, or maybe you could throw Carlos Sainz into the mix as well? You actually are speaking on my wavelength there because Carlos Sainz um, has really impressed me this year. It's difficult to toss up between Force India and Toro Rosso, but I've got to go with Carlos Sainz just to throw another one in the mix. Um, so, Summers, let's wrap up with, with you. Some of the technical stuff, what can we expect to see in Canada? Because that's where we usually see some of the medium uh, downforce setups, and they're always quite interesting to see the trade-off between top speed and downforce 
Exactly. So, yeah, Canada is always one of the, the, the tracks that I look forward to because we start to see um, a, a different setup from the teams. They, they start to bring different front and rear wings um, and maybe some adjustment to the, the side parts, et cetera, as well. Um, in terms of where the midfield lie, I think Force India kind of have drifted off into the distance. Um, but I think that um, for, that Toro Rosso would be my next big shout. And as Matt's already alluded to, Haas are really starting to make some strides with their car. Perhaps they've started to understand um, a little bit more about the, the way the FF7, S, F, VF17 operates um, when they compared it to last year's car. Okay, but you you got a good mix in there between like your Toro Rosso's and your Haas's in there as well. Okay, I respect that. Matt, you were trying to get in there? Yeah, uh, Fortis in the live stream says that uh, Auto Motor und Sport is today reporting that Mercedes' issue is down to their lack of rake, which is ridiculous when you figure you can just wander down to your local hardware store and grab one for like, you know, 10 pounds or whatever. Yeah, I, I saw that article today. And, and yeah, I can understand where Michael Schmidt's coming from and the information that he's got there. Um but predominantly, I think if you read between the lines, he's more or less talking about their philosophy and the way that that car was built around uh, their um, hydraulic heave elements and the way in which that the car can be controlled in terms of heave and pitch. Uh, and that's their problem. Because they've got such a low rake philosophy, it worked when they had these more tricky suspension components. But now that they've lost those, it, it, it means that they have to make certain trade-offs. All right, does anyone else want the final word on the Canadian Grand Prix preview? Say something bold, somebody. Raikkonen to actually win this year instead of Vettel. Now, that would be a turnout, wouldn't it? If Ferrari actually let him win a race, that is. Interesting. I was going to ask the same question. Raikkonen beats Vettel in qualifying. What happens next? And I have to do a quick shout out to Esteban Garcia, who loves the Canadian GP because it always matches with his birthday. That's great. That's why I love the Monaco Grand Prix, because it always matches with my birthday. But I also just love the Canadian Grand well, Prix because it's, it's the Canadian Grand Prix. It's amazing. And my birthday hits around about the same time as Monza, so that's a pretty good shout. All right, Summers, tell us, who, who, who is going to do what that's surprising? That's surprising. Uh, let's say Lance Stroll doesn't crash at the first, first corner. Perhaps that might happen. Ooh. Ouch. And maybe Palmer beats a teammate? No, I can't see that happening. <sighs> Let, yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Poor Jolien, he really does get on the uh, receiving end of some, some bad stuff. It's all in jest. Let's uh, move things along and uh, go on to a segment that we have entitled Other Things to Say Words About. Before we do, though, Alex Goldschmidt, this is your limelight. Plug your stuff. You do Race the Roof on Downforce Radio. Good stuff. Tell us all about it. Yeah. Um, Well, basically, it's uh, our show on Downforce UK, as it's now been officially been rebranded as of yesterday afternoon. Um, I'm the host of Race the Roof, your home for the British Touring Car Championship on Downforce UK. Uh, Coming to you this Wednesday, a bit later than scheduled, uh, previewing the forthcoming action. I've also taken a new role within Downforce that I'll be uh, providing more of the content editorial for 2017 and beyond as well. I'm also the uh, Germany editor for touringcars.net, writing for Motorsport Days. And next weekend, well, you guys are watching Canada. 
I'll be commentating on the Daytona D-Max Championship in Shellington, uh, just outside of Banbury, funnily enough. So it sounds like you're doing some really, really amazing stuff with, with Downforce and outside of it as well. Where can we find you on Twitter? It's uh, at Alex underscore G 1977. Um, I'm currently in the process of doing my new professional website coming soon. So look out for that one. I will be plugging it to Kingdom Come. Um, but yeah, it's about my consultancy that I'm doing at the moment. Uh, but also I work in the auto industry. So cars, automotive, motorsport go hand in hand a little bit for me. A fellow underscorer on Twitter. Without spanners here, we can stand proud. Both mats shaking their heads there. It really doesn't matter because who's in the driver's seat this time, baby? Okay, let's talk about some other news then. Uh, Ferrari and Antonio Giovinazzi have been having some fun time in the playground with some new wet Pirelli tyres. What's been happening there? Well, I think they ran 90 plus laps at, was it Fiorano? In the rain or the artificial rain, with Giovinazzi running last year's, or the 2015 Ferrari, which is interesting both for Giovinazzi, who got great plaudits until he destroyed his Sauber when he was subbing for Pascal Verlein, but also, were we not just talking about Ferrari and Pirelli and tires in the last segment? Now, this one's a little bit different, though, isn't it? Because... This is all part of in-season tyre testing that has been promised to every single team. And yet Ferrari were the only ones that showed up. Uh, am I right about that, Summers? Do you know? There will be some more in-season testing, but this is, again, to do with the mule cars and obviously development of next year's uh, tyre constructions uh, and compounds. So, yeah, it, it's more to do with the development uh, of the tyres. And again, as you say, Matt, it's uh, a connection of Ferrari and uh, and Pirelli. But I'm sure Mercedes and Red Bull will also get their chance. Uh, as well as some of the other midfield teams as well. It's quite rare that we actually hear them being invested in Pirelli tyre testing. The, the problem with that, Chris, is the fact that they don't have mule cars and we can't use current cars in this type of testing. So unfortunately would only be able to be the top three teams that would would be included in these tests so you're, what you're saying is in formula one the top three teams get favored over the smaller teams this is this is breaking news <laughs> not really not really we've always been in this situation haven't we but it it, it does favor those three teams unfortunately um in, in terms of the way that, that the testing falls on the laps but we do have to remember that the other teams had the opportunity to create these mule cars McLaren, Williams, etc. They they did have the opportunity and decided not to, and focused on this year's cars instead. So was it literally just a a plan of to to focus on the current car rather than deviating away from it to develop a mule car? That's it. There, there was pretty stringent uh, rules put in place in what could be done with the mule cars anyway. Um, so some of the teams didn't think that there was much to be gained from it others thought there was but they didn't have the resources to be able to push towards it it does still take quite a lot of resource to be able to do this with the cars yeah well i was going to say it seems like to me and 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 you're all welcome to disagree that this looks to be another excellent place where liberty could positively intervene in the regulations and the way things are both to allow the smaller teams to be involved in the tire testing to get young drivers extra wheel time and to provide more entertainment to people who buy tickets to an entire Grand Prix weekend. Summers, I saw your hand shoot up. So <laughs> are we on the same wavelength here? 
We are. Um, and it's all down to the way in which the future rules are going to be made about the sport. Now, the whispers on the grapevine are that a certain team that folded in the winter had already built their 2017 cars and a certain uh, Formula One management might actually now have procured those chassis uh, and the aero setup that goes with it. Um, now, whether that's to be used for tyre testing as part of a development with Pirelli or whether it's to define the new regulations, I'm yet to find out. But it is an interesting co- concept if it is true. Wow, fascinating. Surely it makes like, the most sense, though, to, to use it as a, a test car. Especially as it's a pair, because the, the thing that we've always struggled with in the past is that um, most team, well, the, the, the rules only permit you to test with one one car. Um, and obviously, if we're defining new regulations, it would be in the best interest of the sport to be able to see what happens when drivers follow one another. Um, and obviously, if you have the pair of manor cars doing that, it's on a circuit, developing tyres, developing aero concepts, then I, I think that would be a good thing for the sport. Okay, well, we were on the subject uh, petering along the lines of Formula One being unfair towards its smaller teams. There's been a bit of a grudge match between some of said smaller teams, uh, between Haas and Force India specifically. Gene Haas doesn't seem to want a socialist style, as he put it, income distribution in Formula One, which is supposedly going to become more fair and more equal, much to the delight of people like Force India. Yeah, well, it seems like to me, uh, although he did use the rather loaded political word socialist, that really what he was saying was, I get why the big manufacturers get their extra payments, and it would be foolish of liberty to just take that away and chase them out of the sport. I mean, if I think if you translate what he said, if you look at his actual quote, to me, that is what he meant. And obviously, Vijay Malia, surprisingly, was all about sharing the money absolutely equally. Um, That's and, something and we don't not, want. Not though, having is it? sort of a tiered system of payment. That's not what we want, though. Is it? You know, a completely fair, equal distribution of payment because you know re- there's got to be rewards for success, surely. Summers. Well, as long as we aren't rewarding people for just being in the sport for a long period of time, I'm all down with that. Um, I think it's a reward-based system based on where you finish in the championship, as we ha- as we see in other sports. So really, I think what this argument uh, amounts to is, are we talking about the basement or are we talking about a ceiling here? I think Haas is saying what you need is a proper basement so that any team that is properly in the sport can compete fairly, but that teams can gain themselves an advantage by doing well and finishing further up or by bringing more to the sport. Whereas Malia is saying the opposite. We need to set a ceiling. But they're trying to achieve, I think, ultimately the, the, same, the same thing, that the midfield will have a chance at, at beating the, the, the big manufacturers, as it were. And I don't know about you, but I've already seen some people talking about suddenly the resistance to the cost cap, especially at Red Bull. It seems like it might be softening a little bit. Has anyone else seen any of these interviews or articles? I have heard about Red Bull and Ferrari maybe wanting to spend a little bit less money on Formula One. But Matt, do you not think it's a little bit fishy that Haas were referring to what were essentially historical payments? 
that we should keep those. They don't have a problem with those. Those not suspicious at all. Uh, oh, you, you, there might have been some team orders going on there. Maybe a little bit. Just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. Last uh, news point before we talk about what is listed in big, big letters as a major talking point in our notes. Thanks very much to Matt for those. Uh, IndyCar versus F1. Another grudge match. A war of words, as it were, between Lewis Hamilton and a lot of the IndyCar field. It's very much like watching one school kid trying to take on the entire football team. Uh, but there has been some <laughs> quotes. There have been some quotes from Lewis that I'm sure if Spanners were here, he would be fighting his corner valiantly. But he's not here. So let's see what we make of, of, of this. Basically, he was referring to Alonso's success in IndyCar, particularly in qualifying. His question was, what does that say about the IndyCar field now is that really a a fair comment to be making is it fair to say that perhaps the indycar field planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. But it's not a, a, a large talent success pool, Alex. Well, considering the fact that Esteban Gutierrez has just joined that pack of wolves there as well, I mean, it's dog-eat-dog in IndyCar. I mean, anyone that watched the Indy 500, yes, Alonso was fighting there with the likes of Helio Castroneves, Tony Canaan, Ryan Hunter-Ray, Scott Dixon, Alexander Rossi, who's XF1, Connor Daly, XF1 test driver for Force India a few years ago. Um, Just some of the comments that were actually made by the likes of Tony Canaan, for those that do follow Le Mans, um, he's replacing Sebastian Bourdais at Le Mans for the 24 hours. So he might be another one that might be doing an Alonso and going for a triple crown. You never know. Um, trumpets? I would say every proper race fan watches Le Mans. I don't care what your main sport is. All right, that's well put it. there, my friend. Um, so the the first set of comments actually came from Kanan himself. And I have to say, very well put here. You're humble. 
not like your other fellow F1 drivers that made some comments this month. What are you going to say? They raced two cars last year and finished second. So I can't think I say a lot about him, referring to uh, number 44, Mr. Lewis Hamilton. And then we also had Graham Rahal and the mayor of Hinchtown, James Hinchcliffe, getting in on the mix as well. Um, Rahal basically went, when I saw Lewis Hamilton's comment, it took me everything in, I had in my body not to say something. Legitimately, in Formula One, over his entire career, it's been a two-car race for Max. And then it's it just goes to show that Rahal actually spoke to Esteban, who's subbing for Sebastian in um, Dale Coyne, and saying that it's a great form of motorsport. I think Esteban will tell you. I talked to him briefly. He said this is the most fun car he's ever driven in his life. It's man and machine. It's simple as that. It's a lot of fun. Um, so I have to put, I have to give props to the IndyCar crew for fighting their corner. Um, I have to agree with what the IndyCar crowd are saying um, because Lewis, I don't know what he tried to achieve, but he ruffled a few feathers because I think they'd like to see him try it in an Indy 500 race and see how he gets on. Right. So far be it for me to cast aspersions on this source. But I will note that when I read other articles about this quote, they were all prefaced with the word alleged. So I will be honest and say, I don't know exactly what he said, but the mere fact that other writers are using the word alleged makes me wonder if something didn't get a bit lost in, I don't know, translation, shall we say, but here's the thing. I'll give you a different interpretation, different spin, if you will. Um, I took that whole quote not to be a dig at IndyCar, per se, but to be a dig at Alonzo himself. As, 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 as you might say something brutal and cutting to a friend, or I guess, as you would say, a mate, I think he was just giving Alonzo a bit of grief about having to leave Formula One and go race in an entire other series to even have a chance to win. And the fact that he did fifth, I think, is entirely credit due Alonzo. Yes, he really is that good. And for those of you who are going to immediately point out Gutierrez's somewhat, uh, I don't know, performance somewhat lacking in comparison, well, I would just say that Detroit is a bit harder than Indy and a terrible place to have to step in. And that the next race, Texas, is even, even, even worse. Indy has its own characteristics and its own learning curve. And although Indianapolis is fairly terrifying, as anyone who watched uh, Scott Dixon's crash will attest, it, it's manageable to people who are used to driving vehicles that fast. You can get on top of it in the month that you have. The rest of the season doesn't give you a month. And in fact, I think Gutierrez had no practice at all before he started the uh, Detroit weekend. I've got to get props to the IndyCar field. It is a really fantastic series. The drivers in it are obviously fantastic. Fernando Alonso is also fantastic. He obviously is one of you know the, the greatest, most versatile uh, drivers that certainly Formula One has seen. And now the rest of the world is getting to see as well. If you ask me, this is all a little bit like Formula E where it's full of a lot of what we call the nearly men of F1, but it's still a highly competitive and highly talented field. I would say Buemi, De Costa, Pechito. I think there are several arguments. Rosenqvist could be made that, that they would do just fine in Formula One. But also uh, what strikes me too, and I know I saw on Twitter uh, Will Buxton getting a, a bit hot and bothered about the 
angry words starting to go back and forth between the two series. But the point you raise is indeed at the beginning of this discussion, an interesting one. Imagine Lewis and Alonso doing the Indy 500 next year because they can, because the FIA has now sat down with all the other major series and worked it out so that the big events no longer cross each other. And I know we're going to get to that in a little bit, but I just want to put it out there. It To me, it reeks a bit of the uh, sweet science. I don't know if you watch a bit of boxing there, Mr. Stevens. But it's a little bit like the two title contenders jawing at each other before the match. Yeah, sometimes it's personal, but sometimes it's just business. Well, that is uh, very true indeed. I bet the chat room has got a lot to say on this subject. What have they been saying, Matt? Ah, well, I've been busy running my mouth and not reading. Um, Blackout, uh, Blackout is again giving us a hard time, saying Honda certainly has explosive power. Um, others uh, are, are Matthew Graff for the first time, saying, am I too late and off-topic to comment on how CART was awesome and far more of a challenge than current IndyCar? Which, yes, you are right about that. And uh, they seem to be agreeing with me. Indy's a different level of racing, and this is exactly what I thought. And even Indy is great to watch. And the best thing about it, no power steering. That is something, isn't it? When you find that out, it all of a sudden adds a whole new light. Okay, we're going to wrap things up on uh, that talking point before we do move on to the major talking point of the show. Let's catch up with Matthew Summerfield. What's going on, Matt? Oh, well, I'm enjoying myself with you guys this evening. Well, that's that's uh, good to hear. And when you're not enjoying yourselves on Mr. Apex Podcast, you're doing technical analysis on Formula One for motorsport.com with your own blog as well. I am. I am. I'm working with the legend that is Giorgio Piola. I'm learning from the legend that is Giorgio Piola um, and enjoying life, really. Um, Motorsport.com takes up most of my uh, writing these days. Uh, Not too much going on on the blog, unfortunately, Uh, but that's nothing to to really be worried about. I've got a really good platform with which to to put my work out there. Well, uh, that's good to hear. That's really good to hear. And where can we find you on Twitter? On Twitter, I am SummersF1, which is S-O-M-E-R-S-F-1. Yes, don't make the mistake of putting two M's into the search bar, because that's what I was doing for a very, very long time. Right, it is time to move on to the major talking point. Liberty Media. We knew they were going to be a big talking point for us over the next few years. Go big or go home is the tagline for this one, because for next year, we will have 21 races with France and Germany coming back onto the calendar. But for the following year, they want more races, less back-to-backs and fewer clashes with big sporting events, not just motorsport, but other big sporting events like Wimbledon and uh, the the World Cup and stuff like that. How are they going to do it? There's only so many weeks in the year and the calendar is already pretty rammed. Matt, thoughts? How are they going to do it? Well, actually, if we weren't busy recording the podcast at the moment, I'd be looking at the answer on my big TV screen, which is double weekend races. 
In other words, this weekend, IndyCar, about which we've suddenly started talking rather more, thanks to Fernando's big adventure, is having a double race weekend in Detroit at Belle Isle, which is a pretty awesome track, fairly terrifying from the visor cam. And they're having two races of exactly the same length, a qualifying on a race on Saturday and a qualifying on a race on Sunday. Now, we know, and here you may put on your tinfoil hats or do as you like, but just being a modestly intelligent person who's looking at a problem and saying, how would I solve this? We do know that Liberty has already stated they wish to be more geographically concise with the racing series. They don't want us to ping pong between Europe and the Middle East and Azerbaijan, which is, I don't know, technically part of Europe, sort of, or at least some, you know, minor anatomical extremity. They want to have European races, a European series, and an Asian, um, Southeast Asian series. They wish to have a North American series to make up their Grand Prix calendar. And if we were to consider this, and if we were to look at sort of the American view of sports, where we have division winners and conference winners and then playoff winners and then eventually a big winner winner of all the everythings because it turns out to be a very good way to drag eyeballs and advertisers into the scrum i could easily see that one race per continental entity instead of being a single race being a double race weekend with double points for the championship and possibly the last and biggest race before you move to the next geographical region. And if you were to do that with 21 races in three geographical regions, you'd have how many races there? Oh, that's right, 24. And if the last race of the season is also a double, oh, I'm sorry, that would be 25 with no added actual weekends away from home. So that would be my solution to the problem, whether Liberty is looking at it through that lens. Well, I have to admit, I don't know yet, but I'd be curious to see what see what mm, our other panelists would think about that. Well, um, courtesy of my role as Germany editor of touringcars.net, of course, there is one series that does that weekend in, weekend out. And that is the DTM qualifying for 20 minutes. And then you have a 55 minute race. It provides great action. Um, and I've been a big fan of that. And if, to, if Formula One was to embrace that uh, mantra, I would definitely be a lot more interested um, and it would be a lot a lot easier on the families you know with, with the mechanics and the engineers uh, and everybody are spending so many weekends away from home um, because the DTM now they were on 10 races up until the end of 2014 and then changed it to uh, a double race format for 2015 and instantly that's struck a call with the fans 18 races over nine race weekends it made a lot more logistical and also in terms of action um, a lot better already. Does that not fiddle with the term Grand Prix, though? Because isn't a Grand Prix is supposed to be a, sort of a single day event and a certain sort of distance? It, it, it carries a historical value that it, it is one race. It's not two. And it's certainly not something that other major motorsports seem to be doing at the moment. Matt, you look like you disagree with me. I mean, come on, double points? Really? Sprinklers? Really? Oh, please, get over your pure old self. The fact is, as long as the races are run at the same distance and offer the same points, how could you have a problem with it? It would be more entertaining, more action for the fans buying the ticket. And I think crucially, and this is, I think, where you were going with your initial criticism, and this is the issue with 
expanding it, if we have 25 races and they're not back-to-backs, that's 50 weekends of racing. Where's my summer break? Where's my winter break? Oh, I'm sorry. They're gone. You have to hire a whole extra team to cover your holidays now versus being able to keep it at 41 or 42 weeks. You still get the same breaks and you get the number of races, Liberty, you're going to need to be able to turn the sport around. Is it not fair enough to say, though, that there are some races we could do without? Summers is nodding his head. I am, because there is certain races we could do without. And if I have to sit through two versions of Sochi a season, I think I'm going to pull my eyelids over my head. Um, Or Abu Dhabi. Uh, Abu Dhabi, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of circuits where uh, a double race format uh, might might be a bit challenging for for many fans. But I seem to remember writing uh, a piece for my blog a, a little while back called Formula Zero, basically looking at these things. Um, and I, when Liberty came out with a lot of their ideas, I thought, has somebody been reading my stuff? <laughs> because they, they, I was talking about interne- intercontinental championships. We were talking about the way that broadcasting is done. You know, there's so many different ways that Liberty are now starting to step up to the plate and, and take what Bernie has built. And let's not think that Bernie hasn't done a good job, but take what he's done and make it a much better product. Okay, here's a question for you then, Matt. Does Formula One need more races? Does it need 25 races or can it pass with 18, 19? Well, personally, I think there's always a level that you need to find. And and on the basis of the current model, the 18 to 19, 20 races is the limit. You look at where um, personnel-wise, journalists, you know, ourselves, Chris, people that actually attend these events, people that go to every single race, it's a commitment, a life commitment. Um, And that is the stress. And where Matt's brought up the fact that having these back-to-back races may be able to to lighten that load. I think that's more than a possibility. Yeah, well, I mean, you think about it, it sounds very horrible, but your last race in Europe is what, say Monza? Imagine having a Saturday-Sunday Monza race to settle the European Championship. Okay, well, now suddenly that goes from sounding like tedious to sounding like, oh, yeah, well, I would definitely tune in for that. Um, Pick a track in Asia, your favorite. Imagine having the, I mean, I I suppose Malaysia is now off the circuit, but it's the same thing. Imagine having a double in Montreal to settle the North American championship. Would you really complain about that? Personally, no. And as I say, I I propose the idea of having these intercontinental championships um, in the way that it would enable all of the promoters to work together to create something individualized for that that area you know an asian series uh, an american series etc it helps them all these circuit promoters to work together um whereas at the moment they're all sort of fending against one another to try to to get each other's punters as such um well in terms of obviously the action on track when i made the reference to the dtm earlier in terms of what i've seen in the last couple of years in that particular series you can have a championship leader turn around from one to another a lot more if you had these double race formats so the drivers are going to be tested more but also it's going to test the teams that little bit more and having these different championships would add another further dynamic to it so in some respects by what trump is saying about having a double race weekend format it could actually really put the spark 
that Formula One does need in terms of the action where the drivers are going to, okay, they're going to get more track time. That's a big thing for any driver, and especially around tracks that they like, they're going to get better. They're going to find the little nuances that are going to work to their strategies and as well as the teams. But then you'll also have the fan interaction, the amount of social media interaction that Formula One through Liberty Media that there's now put online is exponentially so much greater so you're going to have a, a a bigger fan base as a direct result of further competition between the teams it's going to put them more at, at each other's throats in order to get the upper hand but it'll also provide us as, in terms of the media the journalists the commentators but also the general fans watching on tvs or at trackside a lot more to speak about when you come away from a race weekend at a track and you've really really had a fantastic time and it's about making a spectacle and that could really help formula one bring back those glory days when we saw the likes of um say villeneuve um you know villeneuve and i think it was if i remember it correctly rennie arnoux that fantastic battle back in the 80s nicky lauda james hunt uh, um you know there's so many different battles mansell and pk mansell and senna there's just so many different battles that we've seen over the years. We need something that can reinvigorate it and bring more drivers into the championship mix, whether it be on a European, a, um, a Pan-Pacific Asian championship, like a leg of it. But it makes for that more dynamic and more people are talking about Formula One if that happens. It would also raise the stakes in terms of development as well, because you may forsake one of the championships, let's say, to be able to take a run at the American series. You may forsake your, your European leg to, to make that run. So, yeah, it certainly would, in my opinion, spice up things in, in that respect. OK, Matt, what does the chat room think of all this? What are their thoughts? Well, the chat room seems to be quite divided on the idea. Some people are thinking it's kind of brilliant. And they are all very clever people like myself. Others are not sold and they prefer, they are, shall we say, traditionalists. They like the 18, 19, 20 races no more. They, they are comfortable with the product they have. I would say that it's just one of the things that Liberty has to be looking at because we know they're trying to make the race fees more accessible. We're try, they're trying to share revenue with race promoters. But at the end of the day, how much do they spend on this business? They're still going to have to show some kind of profit to the shareholders. They need some kind of long-term strategic vision and something new to sell. If you're not going to charge more, you're going to have to sell more. And that means more races. And the question is, how do they do it and get the teams on board? And at the same time, the teams want to spend less. They just are incapable of making themselves do it. They're going to need a, a guiding hand from Liberty, which we're not really going to get until the current bilateral agreements have expired and there's a new round of renegotiation. But we're starting to see the shape of it. And the fact that even Ferrari or Red Bull could mention, yeah, you know, maybe it wouldn't be so bad for a business if we didn't spend half a billion pounds a year on it, is, is to see them taking significant steps and being taken seriously within the paddock, regardless of what you might read on the internet. That'll be a huge moment, though, won't it? The day that, you know, that budget cap finally comes through after being promised for the last 10 years. Indeed, it'll be it'll fundamentally change the nature of the sport by providing uh, a ceiling and a basement for the teams within which they can now begin to compete on efficiencies and not just pure amount of money. I, I do think that there'll be a, a very steady um, sort of 
intro to that as well though because um it's kind of something that you have to put uh, towards say your relationship what would happen if your wife suddenly said to you you are allowed to go and do whatever you want you wouldn't be able to do it because you don't know how to do it and unfortunately that's how the teams operate the teams that operate at the upper level have been there for years, decades in some respects, and they know how to operate with that budget at that level. And the teams that are at the lower end don't. So trying to find and merge those two is going to take time. And I think obviously Liberty is that that's their overall goal is trying to bring those two closer together in terms of the, the budget and the resources that are thrown at things. Well, I'll let myself have the last word on uh, this talking point. I was just like to say, I am one of those traditionalists. I do like the idea of one race a weekend because I think it makes it a little bit more special. There's a big build-up uh, to it. I certainly think it has a lot more atmosphere to it than if there were two races in a weekend. Uh, I'm happy with 18, 19 races. I would very happily drop a couple of them from the calendar and then we've got some perfection there, I'd say. I don't think we need this big overhaul in the calendar so there's my there's my two pence do with it what you will uh for now we shall move on to the podium well if you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support the show you have uh, a couple of ways in which you can do this the first one is to just tell everyone you see tell everyone about missed apex fans and add that to your f1 fandom on your podcaster app or whatever app you use add us to it get downloading we really appreciate it or you could give us some real money and if you support content creators on patreon then please consider supporting us go to mistapexpodcast.com and click patreon on the menu tab and do please make sure you subscribe to missed apex on the podcaster app as i said and follow missed apex f1 on twitter to find out when we go live which is generally around 8 p.m on sundays for your regular shows the race reviews but we also have extra shows with joe sayward as well as a dedicated tech time with summers who's in the call right now and uh, this thursday matt and uh, spanners will be doing a betting based race preview what can we expect to see in that one matt well, I think we're going to go over a little more closely some of the factors that can affect your choices as to who might do well and who might not do well at Monaco. We'll look at some of the odds. We'll look at some of the value bets. And uh, we will, of course, review the ever-important engine component usage prior to the race. Oh, of course. That's everybody's favorite part of the weekend is when that document gets released. And where can we find you on t- Twitter, Matt? You can find me at MattPT55 on the Twitters. You can always go and buy one of my wife's wonderful books, Amanda Weaver, on Barnes Noble or Amazon or whatever your ebook seller of choice is. And do please also follow me at CStevens underscore Journo and listen to my show, Lean Angle Podcast on Downforce Radio, which is all about the witchcraft of bike racing. Right. And you know what we forgot to mention entirely, but that people should absolutely be paying attention to e radio show yes absolutely e radio show do please check that out as well we forgot to add that to the notes thank you very much for remembering that because we do have the berlin epre coming up and that's the first double header of the season indeed and excitingly enough for me you know what the next double header is new york yeah baby i'm gonna be there 
if I can get there, it's going to be awesome. Okay, Matt, I think and, we've got just enough time before the end of the show for... Comment of the Week. What have you got for us there, Matt? Oh, well, I, I hope everyone's been looking over the choices because they're very difficult. We have the brand new to the chat room, as far as I can tell, Juiced Simkensens. On the topic of changing F1, why not eliminate the current tire rules? I know that there are certain people who are panelists who might be in favor of that. Uh, Sam Harper, best thing about IndyCar is no power steering and needing to be good at both road courses and ovals. Very diverse series. And along those same lines, Bahamutiamat, let's get past the you-know-what. Alonso only went to Indy because Makanda is, well, shall we say, having some issues. Blackout 19, looking to just rock it out, says Honda certainly has explosive power. And James Fennell says, Stevens, are you old enough to drink that stuff? I am 100% on this side of the pond. Missed Apex Podcast admits it's been drunk for five consecutive days, which is news well, to Well, isn't me. that a surprise then? But, uh, and I know this is going to be sent to the stewards for review. I think the winner has to be Blackout 19. The other three can communicate via interpretive dance. Well, Blackout 19, you get... Comment of the week. Well done, Blackout 19. Uh, so, that is the end of the show. Thank you very much to my panel, and thank you to the live stream for listening. And just remember that while wounds heal, chicks don't necessarily dig scars, and glory only lasts for about five minutes. This is Missed Apex Podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.